Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the chance to be here today. God, thank you for the ways we've already experienced you this morning. And God, as we open your word, speak to our hearts. God, we always know that um, when your word is opened, it's read, it's discussed, that there's something in there for us, God. Something in there that you want us to do that will make a difference in our life and in our world. God, help us to be open to that this morning and to be obedient to whatever it is you tell us to do. And it's in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. You know, a phrase that's pretty common uh, is the phrase, let's go for it. It, it Normally, it can be a challenge. It can be uh, a dare. But it almost always is a call to action, a call to do something, and normally to step out, out of your comfort zone. Well, this morning in Mark chapter 12, I'm going to challenge you in a specific area of your life to go for it, and that area is in your financial generosity. We've locked the doors. You can't get out. You've got to stay. I want to just go ahead and say, if you're not a Christian this morning, listen, but understand this, we are not after your money. We are after you. We want you. If you're not a Christian, some of these things don't apply to you that we're going to talk about, but we want you to become a Christian today. If you are a Christian, everything we're going to talk about applies to you, and it begins with this, Jesus loves generosity. Jesus Christ loves generosity. In Mark chapter 12... Starting verse 41, it says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Verse 43, calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. It's like Jesus said, amen. And amen to what this lady just did. This poor widow has put in more into the treasury than everybody else. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had. It means all she had, basically, to live on this day. Now, this is a lot of interesting things take place in this story. One, this is Jesus' last act of public ministry. Now, he's going to do some more things, but it's recorded. It's what was going on between him and his disciples. This was his last act out in front of people that he did before he is crucified and and arises again. Now, that's significant, isn't it? You would think if Jesus was going to do his last big act, it would be like a big baptismal service, a big youth rally, a big revival or something. But it was observing what was going on in the offering and then commenting on that. Now, to give you a little context, this took place in the temple. And, and to give you kind of a diagram of, of what the temple, in Jesus' day, this is called Herod's temple. It was, it was really, really big. And it was divided in different courts. Where the little green dot is was, was called the, the court of Gentiles. Now, the court of Gentiles is where us as non-Jewish people could go, okay? Then there was the court of women. And the court of women here... Jewish men and Jewish women could go. 
Then you have the court of Israelites, which is basically the court of Jewish men. And then the court of priests. Only priests could go in here. And then you have the holy place where a priest went in one time a day. And then right there is the ultimate place, the holy of holies, where the high priest went on the day of atonement. They are in the court of women here. And somewhere along the, the walls here were 13 things they called the trumpets. And the trumpets were basically, in our understanding, were a megaphone. They, they turned a the megaphone upside down, and they used those as, as ob, uh, offering receptacles is what it amounts to, what they were. And it says Jesus was watching closely as they put their money in. It's kind of like this. It'd be kind of like if we put the offering plates down front and Jesus is sitting right here as you walk by. You know what? I guarantee our offerings would be up this morning, wouldn't they? That We may try that. We may get a, 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 a figure of Jesus, have him standing here and put the offering plate. That would motivate you, wouldn't it? And Jesus was sitting there, and it says that he wasn't texting or he wasn't playing a game on his cell phone or he wasn't talking with Peter about, man, that robe really makes you look fat. You know, he wasn't doing that. He was observing carefully what they were putting into the offering plate. And here comes this widow. It says she is very poor. It means that she was, she was the poorest of the poor of her day. And she puts in two little coins called leptons. And leptin literally means a thin one, a thin one. These two coins <clears throat> were worth hardly anything. They were the smallest coins in circulation in Palestine in Jesus' day. They were worth about one one-hundredth of a denarius. Now, denarius means nothing to you, but a denarius, one denarius, was a working man's daily wage. In other words, if you were a common laborer, you would be paid a denarius for your day's work. She put in two coins that were worth one one-hundredth of a working man's wage. Now, to figure that out in our day and age, minimum wage is $7 and a quarter, federal minimum wage is. Before taxes, that's about 58 to $60 a day that a person would make, making minimum wage. And so she put in the offering plate, she put in what would be about $1, okay? And Jesus didn't say, man, 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 whoa, 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 you are too poor. You need that. Take it and go buy you some crackers. He didn't say, oh, you know, that was nice, but that was just such a little bitty thing. You know what Jesus did? He called the guys together and he said, guys, man, amen and amen. Did you see what this lady did? She gave of everything that she had for that day to live on. Jesus celebrated Generosity. Now, I want to tell you, 2,000 years later, the Bible says Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus Christ today celebrates generosity. That ought to be good. You ought to like that. I'll scare you, but you ought to like it. That being true and believing that most of us here do really want to please Jesus... How do we get started on a journey of generosity? How do, we, how do we get started on the generosity journey? If you want to be the kind of person that pleases God with how you give, and please now listen to this, Jesus sees how you give. Jesus sees how you live. Jesus is better than Santa Claus at the naughty and nice thing. You're aware of that, aren't you? 
And so how you and I give does matter to him, and he wants to move us to generosity. How, how do we begin the generosity journey? I want to give you three steps that the Bible tells us this morning. Number one, this is a Christian, you, you, it starts with a tithe. And if you're taking notes, you can put a tithe to your local church. In verse 41, it says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Now, in Jesus' day, the local churches in the villages were called synagogues. If you were a Jewish person, like if you're a Christian, you're supposed to be a part of a synagogue or a church now. The temple was the national headquarters. It was kind of the national gathering place synagogue. So they are in God's house. And, folks, the generosity journey for a Christian begins, and listen, it doesn't begin when you get out of high school or when you get out of college or when you start making money. And, listen, it doesn't begin when you get out of debt. It begins when you decide you're going to start doing money God's way and you're going to develop a lifestyle generosity. It begins with you deciding to give a tenth of, of your money to your local church, a tenth of your money to God. Thousands of verses we could talk about this morning, but we don't have time. Malachi 3.10 drives this home. This is the last book right before the New Testament. Bring the tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse was a place in the temple. It was a place they had set aside in the temple or in the synagogues where they gathered the tithe. Now, here's what some people say. I don't have time to answer all the questions this morning. I'll try to answer a few some people, I've heard, certainly heard preachers say, well, the tithe is, is the law, friend. That's the Old Testament law, and we don't go by the law anymore. Listen, that, that is a distinction you just can't make like we don't go by law anymore. By the way, you know, the, the don't lie was the law in the Old Testament. You know, it's law in the New Testament, too. You know, the honor your mom and dad in the Old Testament is honor your dad and mom in the New Testament. What you find out is the, the Old Testament has a lot of grace in it, and the New Testament has a lot of law in it, if you're really looking honestly. But tithing started before there ever was a law. In Genesis chapter 24, in Genesis 14, I'm sorry, Genesis 14, it says, And blessed be God most high. This is Abraham, long before Moses was born, the law was given, who delivered your enemies into your hands. Then Abraham gave him, and I'm going to talk about this hymn tonight, a guy named Melchizedek, a tenth of everything. Long before there was any Ten Commandments, long before there was the laws on giving for the Old Testament people, the principle of giving a tenth to God was set in place. Now, I'm not going to go through these verses, but let me, if you're taking notes, you can write them down. In Genesis 28, verse 22, Jacob has a God encounter. What does he do after his God encounter? He gives God a 10% of everything he had. And Matthew 23, 23 in the New Testament, Jesus is talking about tithing. And Jesus doesn't go, oh, shucks, that's the Old Testament. You don't have to do that anymore. By the way, anything the Old Testament or the New Testament fulfilled and that you don't do anymore, it upped the ante on it. You know, in the Old Testament, it says don't commit adultery. Jesus said if you hate somebody in your heart, you're a murderer. Jesus said... The Old Testament says don't commit adultery. Jesus says if you're lusting after someone wanting to sleep with them, you've committed adultery in your heart. Play that out. If the Old Testament law required 10%, that would be certainly the minimum of the New Testament, wouldn't it? There's other passages in the book of Corinthians where it talks about giving as you feel led to. 
giving without compulsion. But if you look at the context there, it's talking about special offerings. It's not talking about how Christians give to their church. Your generosity journey for the Christian starts by giving a tithe. Tithe is 10% to your local church. I'm often asked, does that tithe come off the gross or the net? You know the difference? The gross is that grossly exaggerated figure before Uncle Sam works his way into it, right? And pulls out. Folks, I tithe off the gross. You know why I do? Because the Bible says give God of the first fruits, not of what's left over. Give God from the first of your, of your money. Now, here's what's interesting. You can go find a pastor who doesn't believe in tithing. You can go find a pastor who doesn't believe in hell. You can go find a pastor that doesn't believe that a lot of things are wrong or a lot of things are okay. But tithing, I believe with all my heart, is a biblical principle that's never changed. It's a starting point. Why do Christians not tithe? National studies tell us in America, the wealthiest country in the world, we got more stuff and more money than anybody in the world, but 3% of Christians tithe. I had Brenda, my secretary this week, uh, run some numbers on our church, and we're fixing to put these on the screen. How we? No, I'm teasing. That'd wake everybody up, wouldn't it? Talking about gossip at lunch, though. You know, can you believe what they give? Uh, I, I said, how much, how, what's the percentage of tithers in our church? And, and she figured out in First Baptist Ruston, we have 1,300 active people. Now, by the way, most of you don't show up on the same Sunday, but we have, over a course of a month, we'll have 1,300 different people show up at church. And our percentage was 22%. Isn't that cool? I mean, we can brag that we are 19% better than the national average. The only problem is we are 78% under what God would like for us to be. 22% is not that great when you're looking at the 100% mark. Why aren't people tithing? Why aren't you tithing? Well, some people, again, think it's Old Testament law, and they don't think they should. I think that's wrong. Again, I shake hands over here, I hug necks after church, and I'm willing to argue with you too if you would like to argue for a little while. I don't think the law thing fits. Some people don't understand what a church is. They think the the BCM or the FCA or a a men's Bible study or a group at school is a church. It's not. Those are extensions of the churches. Those aren't the church. The church is what you have here. By the way, there's 894 other churches in Ruston, but this is one of them here. Your tithe goes to the church. Let me tell you a darker reason people don't tithe. Well, certainly it's a lack of faith and things like that, but sometimes we use our money as a weapon, don't we? Don't we? And tithing means I'm giving 10% with no strings attached to the church. I'm not saying it's, going, it's not going to the pastor's vacation fund. It's not going to Wayne's music fund. And, and giving to those things is great, but the tithe is undesignated, no strings attached. Here it is. And we like to control things, don't we? Especially when we get mad, right? I don't like what the preacher's doing. I don't like the music. I am just not happy with the color of that carpet. It's been this way for 10 years now, but someone is probably still angry about it. And so what we do is we say, I'm not going to give. Or we say, well, I'll give a little here, a little here, or I'll give it to a church in North Dakota. 
Do you really think it honors God when you and I play games with his money and try to control it instead of giving it as we should? Why should you tithe to the church? Well, you know, the church pays light bills. Do you know that? We pay water bills. Did you know that? You know, the city of Ruston expects us to pay our bill just like they expect you. Well, you're a church. Don't you get by? Absolutely not. I want to show you a cute video of what would happen if churches completely did away. Maybe what would happen if churches completely did away with any emphasis on giving. So we're here for worship. All right, welcome to First Baptist Church. That'll be $3 to park. $3. Three dollars. Great. Have a great day. Thank you. You ready for church, boys? Yeah. All right. I gotta go to the restroom. I'll meet you at worship. Be sure and go see Mike and all the friendly people at Rapid Signs for all your signage needs. So now, on behalf of Mike and Rapid Signs, welcome somebody around you. Hello, Pastor. Hey, Mike. What's going on this morning? Well, i got some things in my heart I'd like to talk about. Man, that's great. Listen, we need it's $3 a minute. Uh, don't do the tithing thing anymore, so I need the money up front. And, uh, and I would love to know what God's doing. $3 is a lot of money. What's God doing? That was great. Kara and Josh did that, and they did a a super job with it. Obviously, that's an exaggeration, but folks, churches survive by the tithe, but not only that, we thrive by the tithe. Folks, God has blessed our church so much, I just can't imagine if we could get from 22 up to 45%, how would that be? So I want to challenge you to take the generosity journey, and it begins with specifically and consistently and faithfully giving at least a tithe to your church. Now, you say, well, I'm not interested in this. I'm bored with this, da-da-da-da-da. This is God's Word. This is, 
In fact, Jesus talked about money almost more than he talked about anything else because he knew where your billfold went. Oftentimes, that was a reflection of your heart. So start it with your tithe. Here's the second thing. Give above the tithe as you can. I'm not being greedy here. I just want to share with you some things that the Bible says that are really neat. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and he watched the crowd putting their money in the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. Now, believe it or not, if you were a Jewish person in the Old Testament, you were active in the synagogue and active in the temple, I'm not making this up. You almost had to tithe. I mean, it was almost mandatory that you tithe. You were going to be crunched, if you know, not literally, but figuratively, if you didn't. This lady here is giving, at this point, above and beyond her regular 10%. In the temple area where they wore these trumpets, this was probably for special offerings that went either for sacrifices or for the building fund for the temple. And Scholars say that the amount she gave was so minuscule that it couldn't even have bought a sacrifice, so it almost certainly went to the temple beautification fund. What a neat thing. Here's a lady who has next to nothing, who is so poor, she lives day to day, hand to mouth, and she t- she's tithed already, and she comes through with her giving in the offerings. Wouldn't it have been natural for her just to say, look, I've already given my tithe, I can't give anything else? And what she does is she hits the kitty for more. Here's the challenge. The tithe is your starting point. If you've been a Christian very long, or you've got a lot of money, bump that up. Make, start it at, go to 11, go to 12, go to 14. Bump, bump up your general giving. But here's another thing the Bible talks about. That's that offering. That's anything above and beyond a tithe. Like when we do the Lottie Moon offering, we do special offerings for, for different things. We're going to, in a, in a year or two, start hopefully building some new buildings, and we will have a building fund. That is special offering. But giving above and beyond your tithe could include a lot of things. It could include giving to the FCA and the BCM and to tech and to Grambling and to where your kids go to school and different things. In other words, God says, listen, I'm trying to raise my children to be generous. And that starts with a tithe to their church, but that's where it starts. It should be more than that eventually, and it should include every area of your life. Listen, people, if, if, if they know you're a Christian, they don't need to think you're a tightwad cheapskate. Amen? Amen? Amen. Be generous. And the last thing, man, give to other people as you can. Be generous to others. In Proverbs 11.25, a great verse, A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Buy other people lunch. Spend money on people. Friend, you don't know how long that you're going to be alive. You don't need to be wasteful and careless with your money, but by all means, you are not taking any of it with you. Save it. Be wise with it, but be generous with what God has blessed you. And here's the third big idea this today, man. God blesses and honors generous people. Now, this hopefully will draw you in. At this point in the sermon, most of the time, people are mad at the pastor. Here's where it turns good, and it goes good. God blesses and honors generous people. Verse 43 and 44. 
Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Remember, this is Jesus hitting the pulpit or whatever and saying amen and amen to this lady. This poor widow has put more money into the treasure than anybody. They gave out of their wealth. She, out of her poverty, put in everything. This means everything she had to live on for this day. Jesus noticed her gift. Again, Jesus didn't stop her and say, that ain't going to help any. Thanks, but no thanks. Are you are too poor. You need to keep it. Jesus celebrated what this lady did. In fact, 2,000 years later, we are still celebrating this lady because of her generosity. Guys, about 20 years ago, I went to visit an elderly lady in my church. She was 90, a very sweet lady named Mrs. Ward. Three days later, she died. So she was on literally her deathbed. And when I was leaving the hospital that day, I'll never forget, she kind of got panicky. And she grabbed something on the table near her Bible, and she said, Chris, take this to the church. Get this to the church for Sunday. This is my tithe. And she handed it to me, and she kind of held on to it, and she said, please, will you make sure my tithe gets into the church for Sunday. Folks, I don't, I don't have a clue what you give. I don't see what anybody gives. I don't handle any money. But if you hand me an envelope, there's a chance if I've got to drive 50 miles with it back somewhere, I may see what's on that envelope. I mean, that's, that's just going to happen. It was $17.50. I imagine this little lady got about $340 Social Security uh, a month in two payments. And this was her $17.50 tithe off of the $175. And I want to tell you, when she walked in heaven three days later, you think God honored her for that? And I want to tell you, I would have, I would have done anything to protect that money and they got that to that church on Sunday. You see, God is not looking at the size. If you can give huge amounts, do it. If $17.50 is a tithe for you, I want to tell you $17.50 tithe is harder on somebody that's making a million giving 100000 Here's what Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits, not what's left over, the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Your vats will brim over with new wine. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 again. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. This is the only place in the Bible God says, test me. Test me in this, says the Lord. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, you will not have room enough for it. Now, folks, this is not health and wealth gospel, but this is the absolute truth. When you take care of your money, you're a good steward of your money, and you give to God as you should and you're generous, God is going to bless you. God is going to bless you financially. I'm not saying you're going to have a Mercedes. I'm not going to say you're going to be a multimillionaire. But you cannot outgive God. You shovel it in, God shovels it back. And guess who has the bigger shovel? Say God. God. How many of you believe that verse I just read? If you don't believe it, please go home and tear it out of your Bible. Because it doesn't apply to you, right? 
I've, I have literally heard of people doing that. They don't like what something the Bible says, they tear it out. Either read it, believe it, and do it, or tear it out. And I don't suggest you begin tearing stuff out. Let me give you three reasons real quick why God honors generosity. One, it's obedience. You never obey God and aren't blessed by it. Two, it's faith. You know what? Some of us don't tie. We don't trust God. We look at our finances and we say, I can't make it if I give 10%. I can't make it. It takes faith. And the third reason is when you give as you should, you bless others and you bless God's causes. Folks, our church last year gave out probably $400,000 outside of Ruston to go all around the world because of your generosity. There are people that were saved in Africa last year because of money that came from here. How many of you think that's cool? Man, that's awesome. God is going to bless you when you consistently and specifically give as you should. Sam Houston was one of the great American leaders in the, in the uh, 1800s. He was the president of Texas. He was a congressman. He was a governor. He was a warrior. He became a Christian late in life. And when he was being baptized in a river in Texas, the pastor noticed he had his billfold in his pocket. And he said, Mr. Houston, why don't you take your billfold out before you get in the water? And Sam Houston said, nope. He said, when God got my heart, he got my money too. If you're going to baptize my head, you're going to baptize my wallet too. (laughs) You know, that's the absolute truth. If God really has your heart, God's got your checkbook. See, there's two fundamental reasons. I'll I'll say three that people don't give as they should. One, if you're not a Christian, again, this was an instructive lesson, and hopefully you'll come to Christ very soon. But if you're a Christian, there's two reasons you don't give as you should. One, you don't know how, and hopefully I have fumbled through and told you how. Or secondly, there's something wrong with your heart. Both of those are correctable this morning. Let's pray. If you're a Christian, I just want you to focus for a moment on this one area in your life. How are you doing? Are you an A, a B, a C, a D? Are you an F giver in, in, the, in the eyes of Jesus Christ this morning? And what will you do about it? And far more importantly today, if you're here and you're not a Christian, or you're unsure if you're a Christian, where you're seated, would you pray with me today and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I want to turn from my sins. I believe you're God's son, Jesus, and that you died for me and that you arose for me, Jesus. Come into my heart. And this day, Jesus, I give you my life. Let me have your attention just for a moment. Just a second, we're going to stand and sing, but man, more importantly than that, I'm going to challenge you to respond to what you've heard. Maybe you just asked Christ in your heart, or maybe you're ready to do that. What a great day it would be. to to cross that line with Jesus. When we stand, will you come and talk to a minister about that decision?
Maybe today you'd like to join our church. We would love for you to. One way you can do that is, is you can, when we stand, just come and, and talk to one of our ministers down here. We'll help you make that decision today. The rest of us who are Christians this morning, some of you, I am certain, are wonderful givers. Man, amen for you. And you keep it up. Let God continue to grow you in that area. Maybe this morning as a Christian, you need to repent and to confess to God you've been failing in this area and make a choice this morning, not for next week or two months from now, but for today, that you're going to start being generous God's way. Let's stand. As God leads you, we'll be down here waiting on you. Respond to Jesus this morning.